Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's official EvertonFC.com podcast, where I'm hoping for some convivial conversation and some pleasant recollections as we proceed, rather than it being a case of seconds out, round two, as we reunite Francis Jeffers and Sander Westerveld with, in the role of peacemaker, and it's not a role he's used to, Don Hutchison. Don, if I can start with you, Francis Jeffers versus Sander Westerveld at Anfield, it was hardly a fight that would have illuminated Madison Square Garden, was it? No, but it was brilliant though, wasn't it? It's good to see Franny and, and Sander again and, you know, it takes your, your mind and your memories back to the, to the day and it was, you know, it's just a typical derby match, wasn't it? When you just, you see the red mist coming down, you're in front of the fans, you've got pride and, you know, once someone squares up, no one's ever going to back down, especially, as I said, in a Merseyside derby. So it was brilliant days. One day uh, and many that I can look back in, in an Everton shirt and think, I'd love that one back again. What's your recollection of the incident? Because it just seems so innocuous. I don't think it was anything, to be honest. And everybody, uh, I think they called it a handbag fight, if I was wrong. If I was right. <laughs> um, it was just a, uh, yeah, we, we, we um, I think um, I, I called you a German in the first half when you were diving, I think, in, uh, in the box. So, um, <laughs> no, it was, it was just we, we ran up to each other and uh, I thought that it was my first derby. And we were in England. I thought, you, yeah, well, there's a little bit of aggression is possible. And, uh, and well, afterwards, um, yeah, well, I've, I've told people uh, a lot of times, if I knew I would have got a red card, I'd probably ch- uh, try to a little bit harder. But uh, <laughs> my regulation, I, I was just Probably defending myself. <laughs> but it was just, uh, it was just everything. Um, like Don says, it was emotions. We were, we were losing 1-0, my first derby. And I knew... Uh, how important games like this are. Uh, I played a couple of derbies in Holland and uh, yeah, I know that those are the most important games and if you're losing a game like this and then uh, it was just, uh, yeah, everything came together in that moment and it was very unfortunately and I, uh, afterwards I, I felt guilty to the boys as well and I uh, I apologized and I remember coming in Melwood and uh, Julier called me in the office and I was like, oh, here we go. He probably... Uh, uh, here we get it. And then, uh, yeah, I came in and he said, sat down and he said, I loved it. And I said, oh, okay. And he says, yeah, this is what we need. And the passion and you showed aggression and you like the will to win. And you threw everything in it. Uh, I didn't like the red card, but uh, yeah, I like the passion. And so I thought I would uh, would walk out crying. But uh, yeah, I went up uh, and went on train and uh, with a big smile and thought, okay. Okay, so no, at the end it was uh, yeah, it was just uh, the most important one, the, the, yeah, the one they lost. But uh, there are not many clips of me on the internet. So if you Google my name, <laughs> this one comes up straight away. Oh, so don't, all my kids, Sander, kids, don't Google your name and then put my name straight after. Don't do that one because that's a whole new story. That's that's another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, it is it is funny. So people are still talking about it uh, twenty years after and. Uh, Franny, is that a fair assessment? It was a, it was a bit of a bit of handbags. Yeah, it was just something and nothing. As as I say, emotions are high, aren't they, in the derby game? So uh, it was something and nothing. I think I actually seen him a couple of weeks later in the blue bar or somewhere like that, and uh, <laughs> always always forgotten, mate. Franny, so did you? Were you aware that Stephen Gerrard had been sent off as well a little bit later on in that game? Well, luckily enough for me, does it? I don't know whether you remember the game when when you when we got sent off me and me and the big fella. I remember that obviously the referee was still using his head, so he's thinking I can't give him a red and him a red and let them walk off the pitch together. So he yeah. actually said to me, "Listen, you're going first. 
I knew I was getting sent off and obviously I knew the big fella was coming so I was happy that I was going first because it was a chance for me to get in the changing rooms and lock the door quick. <laughs> 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 but, who uh, went, so who went, who went in goal? Who went in goal after, after when you got sent off, yeah, he started. He made a great save as well. I think somebody yeah, hit he did. the ball just and he tipped it over the bar. It was a great save. Better save than I. I never had a save in the whole match, I think. It must have been terrific, Don, to be... You had the captain's armband on that night to be the captain of an Everton side to win at Anfield. Yeah, I mean, it was the performance as well. Um, I thought we played really well and it was one of them games where they're actually come away disappointed. And I said to him, disappointed? Why? We beat them 1-0 at Anfield. And he went... We felt as though in the last 20, 30 minutes of the game, it could have been two or three or four. And it was bringing the sort of the memories back. And I can remember, obviously, when, when Liverpool had two men sent off, we had Franny sent off, we controlled the game. And it wasn't like Liverpool were peppering for the equaliser. We were comfortable. We were keeping hold of the ball. We had people like John Collins in the side. We keep hold of the ball. And we were, it was pretty much for a derby. It was pretty much stress-free, even though you got the emotions in your way from home, trying to hang on to a 1-0 lead. Um, but the game actually was—I wouldn't say easy because derbies are not easy—but it wasn't as it wasn't as difficult as it would have probably been with eleven v eleven. I remember saying after games, after all the derby games, uh, well, normally you would end up a little bit below us in the league table. Mm. And after every game, you probably played the best matches against Liverpool all the time. And I—I I remember saying a lot of times in interviews afterwards, like I don't understand if they can if they can play like this. Uh, today, why don't they play every week like this? They would do. Mm. Have been, uh, you are, you are at that moment. You can see what a team you are, and uh, it was, it was always not strange because those are special games. But uh, you were always raising them uh, like <laughs> big time against and us. I think, I think, I think Franny will agree. I think we went for a period of eighteen months when we were at Everton together, where we were obviously very inconsistent. But when we played well. The Evertonians were scratching their heads going away from the stadium thinking, this team's frightening. I mean, we obviously beat yeah. you guys 1-0, which can happen in a derby. We beat Middlesbrough, I think, 3-0 in the cup. We, went, we smashed Middlesbrough 5-0 at home. But I think Franny and myself and Jeff Campbell was on fire. We beat West Ham, was either 5 or 6. We beat Sunderland 3 and 4s. We were smashing loads of teams. And when it clicked, we were frightening, but we just couldn't do it over a long season. We were just too inconsistent. But... And when we played well, we'd fancy ourselves against anyone. Uh, too many yeah. Alphas in the team. That was the problem. And a goalkeeper, and a goalkeeper in Thomas Myra, who was colourblind. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Uh, we had Goffey at the back. We had, we had Goffey at the back with Waggy. That was a combined age of 106. You just mentioned a few players there, a few experienced players, Franny. It must have been terrific for you as a, as a yeah. teenager, a baby at the time, to be training and, and learning from players like that. Yeah, I think what Uch says does is, is a great point. We we did have some really good players. I, I go back to it, you know, obviously we had me and Kev up front who formed a decent partnership and then John Collins, Uch, Nicky Barnby, players like that, all top, top players and then the back four, loads of experience. Uh, it was great for me, great for Borley, I think, Dunny, all the young lads, you know, to, to have that experience around you as a young player coming through uh, is vital. Sander, who in the Liverpool dressing room told you all about Merseyside derbies when you first arrived? Because there was a few local boys in and around the squad, wasn't there, at Liverpool? Yeah, that's that's always true. When uh, when when I played derbies uh, abroad in Spain and in Holland as well, um, 
it's it's for us, uh, especially when I came to Liverpool. You are still a foreigner, and you, you understand the feeling by uh, with the fans. Uh, the fans have, but it's still different for for local boys. Uh, those are the games they they yeah they look uh, forward to for the for the whole season. Those are the first ones you see when the when games come up in the beginning of the season. And um, obviously, I think it's. Uh, yeah, weeks before they were talking about derby. Uh, they're not talking about the games we had before the derby, but uh, maybe four weeks before the derby. It's like Everton, Everton. And it don't matter about Middlesbrough before or Leeds after. It's uh, it's the derby, and uh, yeah, especially the local boys. They uh, they really made sure that all the new guys uh, like me. I think at the moment, at that time, we we had eight new signings in that season, and um, I was one of them. Some UPR and Smitzer and uh, those uh, kinds of guys, uh, the Egg Meyer. Um, so they made sure that we were well aware about the uh, importance of uh, playing a derby. And uh, yeah, I wasn't surprised, but uh, you can never prepare yourself for derbies like this. So these are the biggest derbies in the world. And uh, I loved every one of them. Your first Merseyside derby, Don, was in, was in the Red Liverpool, having made the move from, from Hartlepool United. That must have been an unbelievable experience for yourself. Yeah, I wasn't sure what my record was like uh, wearing red. Um, I can remember one particular game at Goodison where I think uh, I think Peter Beardsley might have scored, um, and Everton were full of really really top players at the time, and they were sort of trying to fight the way into the sort of top six of the Premier League. And I was a young boy like Franny was at Everton, coming through wearing the red of, of Liverpool, and you were grafting to try and get in the side. You were trying to look after yourself at the time because when you're young you can't really worry about the team it's all about the experienced players worrying you've just got to get on with doing your job uh, and I was lucky I played in quite a few I, I can't remember I couldn't recall what my record was like in them but I was quite privileged to wear the red and the blue That's what it's all about for a young blue Franny like yourself coming through the ranks I know the Merseyside derby means everything to the under 13s it means everything to the 14s the 15s all the way through yeah. so to finally play in one for the first team that's a dream come true for you isn't it? Yeah, it was something I dreamt about as a young lad, Dad. Uh, you know, growing up, went most games, old man away, watching the Blues. Uh, and always had a dream of, you know, playing in a, in a Merseyside derby. And thankfully got the opportunity. I think, I, if I remember rightly, my first Merseyside derby, Dad, was at Anfield. And we, and we lost it, we mm. 3-2. Yeah. And I, I remember uh, being really disappointed because uh, I remember Walter naming the team. Uh, I, I think. It may well have been an early kickoff, or it, we we stayed over the water somewhere anyway. And I remember Walter naming the team, and I'd been in the team and, and doing all right. And I think he felt, uh, I think he brought Kevin Campbell into the team. It might have been Kevin's first game, uh, and he played him alongside Michael Branch. And I remember getting on the bus to leave the hotel, going to Anfield, when it should have been a a massive occasion. Being really disappointed that you know I was going to be on the bench and didn't know whether I was going to get on. Managed to get on and. And score, I think that that day, Franny. Franny, can you remember the obviously remember the the, the one nil which obviously us three played in? But can you remember the morning after? I can. I, I, I remember. You know what Sander says there. I was I, still at a hangover, probably. No, it was it was quite interesting, Sander, because if I can take Franny's mind back, we came in the next day for a warm down, which obviously was quite common. But Walter had done something different, and he said to us, "He went, don't put your training kit on." He went, "Everyone in their tracksuits." And everyone get on the team bus. Do you remember, Franny? Yeah, and yeah. Got, and we got on, and we got on the team bus, and the team bus drove us into the middle of Liverpool Town Centre, 
and we all got off the bus wearing our blue of Everton and we all went into a calf and we all had a big fry up and a big breakfast and loads of tea and loads of coffee just so Walter Smith could rub it into all the Liverpool fans that were working in the city. That was just sort of a little bit of payback. So it was quite funny. Yeah, I was saying when Big Sander talks about Julio getting him in and saying he loved the passion. I think, you know, what I remember Walter, I would think I was the first in that morning, probably just rolled out of the blue bar and straight to training. <laughs> uh, but uh, I remember getting in there and Walter saying, I, I need to have a chat with you. Uh, I remember him saying to me, look, you know, forget about the sending off. I thought he played really well. It's great to see the passion. But well, I've got to tell you, lad, you're getting a two-week wage is fine. Oh, <laughs> I said, what are you on about? You can't do that to me. I think I was only on about 200 quid a week then as well. Probably had to borrow, probably had to borrow a few quid off Hutch to pay the time. <laughs> he'd, he'd have loved that though, Franny, wouldn't he, Walter? Knowing yeah. Walter as we yeah. uh, as we do, you know, he would have, you know, like Julier, yeah. he would have loved it. You know, him yeah. and Archie Knox, two, two proud Scotsmen, you know, yeah, yeah. in charge at Everton, they were great guys to play under. I, lo- I loved them. I, I yeah. loved playing for Walter, I loved playing for Archie. Uh, Archie was really tough, weren't he? Tough yeah. on the young lads. Yeah. But you know, when you sit here now and you look back, I mean, obviously I'm coaching now with, with the under-23s and at times they probably think I'm tough, you know, the way I am with them. And, but mm. it's all for them. And, but at the time, you don't see it, do you? But now I think about it, you know, what, what a man Archie was like. I mean, he, he was a great, great coach. Yeah. Very tough, but a great fella as well. I, I loved working under him and, and Walter and, and Waggy alongside them. Let's just move on to the, the second Merseyside derby of that season. And once again... Sander Vestervel played a major part in it. <laughs> Mike Riley had no choice when he sent you and Franny off. Graham Paul did. The only mistake he made was was blowing for uh, for the end of the game. Yeah, he should have. Yeah, for full time he should have, because I, at that time as well, you should. Well, everybody had to take ten yards. Mm. It was nine meters, ten yards. Yeah, and I think you were like uh, three meters in front of me, just <laughs> coming in front of me. Maybe yeah. taking time or whatever, and I was I was thinking like, okay, I'm going to smash him on the back of the head, and then the, <laughs> it, it will be retaken again. And that's why I stopped as well. You can see me not running back. I was just boom. I was like, okay. But then uh, yeah, it was a big thing because he was blowing for his. Uh, his he says it was time. And, but anyway, I don't think it will ever would have been uh, would have held. Uh, yeah, you were like three three meters in front of me. So mm. yeah. Were you really that cool at the time or was there a little bit of panic, Sander? No, honestly, I really, at the minute I hit him, I thought, okay, it's retaken. And then, uh, I don't know, he, he blew his whistle, I think, fairly quickly afterwards, but it was just a big uh, fuss afterwards. But, uh, yeah. No, I don't think I was really, uh, not cool, but uh, I was just not uh, not afraid it would be a goal anyway. What's your take, Dom? Uh, same, really. To be fair, I mean, I mean, where Graham Powell had a little bit of a mare is he panicked as the ball obviously come off. What I was trying to do is I was trying to do exactly what what Sander said. Really, I wasn't ten yards away, so what I was trying to do was just disrupt him really because I think it was either a goal kick or a free kick inside the eighteen yard box, and I just stepped across his path. I think it was slightly more than three yards, but once the ball hit me and went into the back of the net, where Graham Powell made the mistake is the game was obviously on Sky. And Sky had the, the correct time. And the time, there was loads of time. There was probably about 30, 40 seconds left in the game. So Sky are obviously showing the time and the clock in real time. And the ball then goes over the line. And Graham Poles, probably what Graham Poles done is probably because he thought Sander was taking the, the, the goal kick. 
and I sort of stepped across him. He'd made his way towards the halfway line, thinking that's where Sanders going to ping it or or just past the halfway line. And he, what he really should have done was just give a, a free kick to Liverpool and, and say, take it again. But it was it was the crowd, it was the emotion, the Merseyside derby, balls going over the line. He's not sure what's happened. He knows it's close to full time. So that's the only thing I can imagine. I think he said it since, to be fair, Graham Paul, he said, he went in hindsight when he's looked back at it, looked back at it, he said, I would actually give a goal. Really? Yeah, that's what he says. But I agree with you, Sander. I, I knew I wasn't 10 yards away because I knew I was sort of just cutting across your path. So it's interesting that he says that. Yeah, sometimes I was I was trying to do that because they had a couple of years later, I remember in Spain, and they had a new rule that you couldn't uh, stand in front of the goalkeepers when they were kicking the ball out of their hands. And uh, I remember just whenever we were in front and somebody was just messing around and just trying to disrupt me, I was just trying to hit him as, as, as hard as possible. And I got a yellow card for him as well and a free kick for us some more time. So I remember trying to do a couple of things like this. I think you were in front of me at the home game as well one day when I was throwing a ball away. No, was, was that you? Could have been, could have been. Sander, I just love to provoke people on the pitch. Franny's right. If, the, time, if, yeah. You've, yeah, if you've got the ball in your hand and I'm in your face, I just like to... Because it was just it was just the era we were in, Franny, wasn't it? It's just like, if you're playing and a goalkeeper's got it, you just want to disrupt them. You want to upset him. And yeah. likewise, when you're playing against the, the, the same players that you're playing against the opposition, it was that sort of era where, you know, my boy's 19 now and he's trying to make it as a professional footballer. And I asked him the other day, I went, is, did this sledging go on in the game like where you're verbally having to go at each other? And he went, a little bit, but not really. It was brutal in our day, Franny, wasn't it? Yeah. Really. could literally say anything to your opponent and try and get him off his stride. Yeah, it's also like I'm a goalkeeper coach now for the national team. And sometimes I, I can't really say what I do. Like, uh, for example, in the corner, when somebody's in front of you trying to disrupt you, I, mm. I used to say, you just go in front of him and then bounce on your on your feet and, and then step on his toe or like yeah. give him a little elbow, pinch him. You can't do that anymore with no. 200 cameras. And uh, so you'll get a red card straight away. So it's it's different times. They can uh, read your lips now as well. So you can't yeah. even say anything. You can see them more talking like this. <laughs> so it's, it's different times now. Yeah, sledging sledge wouldn't be the same if you were having a go at someone going like that, would it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Did you like dishing the uh, verbals out, Franny? Be honest, as I was, yeah. yeah. I, I, no, I wasn't too bad, you know. I wasn't. I wasn't too bad. People probably have that uh, that opinion of me, but I, I wasn't too bad. I used to take a lot of stick. To be fair, I used to take a bit off my own teammates as well. Gaza was ruthless. <laughs> Gaza was ruthless with me. Honestly, the stick he'd give me every day in training. What was it like playing? What was it like playing alongside Gaza, Franny? Brilliant. I remember. I remember. I remember the excitement he turned up at. Uh, can't remember where we was pre-season. I remember Walter getting us together. Il Was it? Yeah. Is that Italy? Is it does? Yeah. 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 We were, we were we were there somewhere in the mountains. I remember it being muted in the papers, and maybe maybe Walter was gonna was gonna sign him. And I was thinking, oh, I hope he, I hope he does it. You know, I was never I was never a fan and a player at the time. I was thinking this will be brilliant. And also the excitement that he brings. You know, you know how much of a laugh he is. So you think he'll get us going a bit. And I remember Walter getting us in saying. Uh, I don't know whether you think I'm mad, but Paul Gaskins on his way over, and we'll be arriving. I've signed them, and I remember the excitement was almost as good as the one when I was first told I was going to be in the team in my first game. I thought that's how how excited I was. So, uh, yeah, what a guy, what a man! I mean, he had the place; he just had the place up the wall from the minute he arrived to the minute he left. Mm. But, but a top fella, a guy you know, Don. 
Gaza? Yeah, we grew up together. We're from the same um, place in Gateshead. He's, I, I'm from a place called Teams. He's in Dunstan, which is probably <clears throat> half a mile away. Uh, our dad used to drink in the same pub, the Excelsior. So, and we both played at the same boys' club. Um, so Paul was, I think, two or three years older than me, maybe four, but we were still together every single night because at our boys' club at the time, from the age of, I think, 10, I think everyone just trained, not regimented training but everyone sort of mixed together whether you're playing snooker pool table tennis badminton soft tennis or football everyone was sort of in the same building so we were aware of Gaza and he was the one that was meant to sort of kick on and, and, and break through and obviously he was and got his big break when he went to Newcastle as a kid but someone I know really well um, and a real stand-up guy he's got a massive heart he'd do anything for anyone he always puts other people ahead of himself and that's probably a little bit of Paul's downfall because he has got such a big heart. Um, but that's just the character. That's why people love him because, you know, he's that type of guy where he would literally do anything for you. I remember a time, I think when I was either just retired or still playing and Max, my boy, who's 19 now, he was about five or six at the time and me and Jason McAteer ended up being really good mates uh, and his boy Harry is the same age as Max. So I was trying to get us into Alton Towers um, and I just timed it all wrong where typical football, I left it till the last minute and they were fully booked. So I sent Gaza a text and I went, Gaza, I went, I know it's a long shot. I went, is there any any chance? Have you got any contacts? Have you got any pull? Can you get me and Jason and Max and Harry like into Alton Towers? And he went, leave it with me. I'll call you back in five minutes. He called me back in five minutes. He went, right. He went, I've got you a suite. He went, just tell him your name's Don Gascoigne, you're my brother. And he went, uh, and somehow we pulled Alton Towers out of nowhere the day before, like a weekend. And I was just thinking, amazing. So I just, I knew Paul's, I knew where Paul's mum and dad lived. So I sent his mum a nice bunch of flowers. But that was the type of guy he was, or, or is he, he just do anything for you. Terrific, terrific guy. Sander, let's push things on. When you came to Everton in February 2006, how did that come about? What do you recall of that? I recall it very clearly. I was on my way actually to a game in the Champions League, Chelsea against Barcelona. Um, I was actually on the bench. Um, Harry Redknapp uh, took over at uh, Portsmouth and uh, put all the new guys on the bench. I was a signing of uh, Perrin, the French guy. Um, so I didn't play and I was um, in my car and then uh, David Moyes phoned me. And he says, I've got a problem. I got all my goalkeepers are out, two are injured, and the other one a red card. So I need a goalkeeper for a month. Can you help me? And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm playing. So, uh, yeah. I said, yeah, of course. He says, okay, I'll fly you over tomorrow. And as I put up the phone, put down the phone, I was like, oh, wow, this is Everton. And uh, <laughs> now, funny enough, um, nine out of 10 of my friends in Liverpool and uh, still our friends are all. Can I say blue noses? Is that? Uh, is that is yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. All like uh, Evertonian, uh, blue nose, like Everton fans, fans. <laughs> so I, I phoned a couple of them, and I was like, I, I don't know what I did, but I just uh, signed for Liverpool for for Everton, and they were all loving it. So I was a little bit uh, relaxed when I arrived, and um, I must say, and I, I kept saying that in interviews after, um, it was one of my best experiences in the whole in my whole football career. Because I remember that I really thought that, yeah, I'm still a, a Liverpool, ex-Liverpool player. Um, but from the minute I arrived till the minute I left, I think I was so accepted and they accepted me like one of them. And uh, even the fans, when I came up for the first time on the pitch, uh, they, were, they were clapping and, uh, and welcoming me and it felt so warm. And um, 
that was an amazing experience from from day one till the last one. And then coming at Everton, I think everybody knew that I was just trying to help them in a situation where they were struggling with the goalkeepers. And uh, that's why they accepted me, I think. And uh, like I said, it was just an amazing time. And I'm really, uh, yeah, like Don said before, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful and, uh, and proud that I'm uh, yeah, also... Uh, yeah, made history of playing for both clubs in uh, in Liverpool, and uh, yeah, that's something when you retire, you look back and think, yeah, yeah, I made history there. So that was one of those things. But uh, now all great memories. Doesn't that speak volume about Everton supporters, Franny? If you've got the royal blue jersey on, or the green jersey, as Franny as uh, Sandu would have done, as long yeah. as you've got the Everton crest on, and as long as you give everything you've got, the, the punters will have you all day long, Franny, won't they? Spot on, Dad. Totally agree with you. I mean. Once you put that blue jersey on, mate, you're one of them, aren't you? You're one of us. So no matter what you've done previous, no matter what happens after, once you put that jersey on, mate, you're a blue. Franny, when you came back to Everton on loan for a second spell, you'd had that period at Arsenal. You'd had a little yeah. bit of stick off the Evertonians yeah. when you came back in the red and white yeah. of Arsenal. Was that on your mind when you came back? For yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. I, I was hurt, Daz. It, it, it killed me. It killed me to go back to, to Everton and see, see the reception I got because... I was an Everton fan. I loved the club. Uh, you know, at the time, Arsenal for me were, were the best team in the Premier League. Uh, you know, I think they just lost the cup final to, to Liverpool after after battering them all game. And I remember Arsene Wenger ringing me and saying, look, I want to sign you. Do you want to come? And it, it, it was a big decision for me, Daz. I mean, Everton were, were sitting in the bottom half of the table. But for me, being an Everton fan, it was a, it, it was a big wrench, and then obviously took a lot of stick when I went, and then coming back to coming back to Goodison and getting off the bus, getting booed, uh, warming up, running down the touchline, getting hammered, it killed me. Does it really did? It, it, it hurt me. And then when when you come back, you're thinking to yourself, all them all them doubts and all them thoughts are in your mind of whether you're going to be forgiven for for leaving the club a couple of years earlier and. You know, I think what Sander says, you, the minute you put that blue jersey on and you, you run out as an Everton player, uh, all's forgotten. Did you have any reservations about joining Everton, Don, having been a Liverpool player? No, I was I was the other way. Daz, I was, I mean, you often hear stories about managers tapping players up and, and, and phoning them and, and, and not doing the right or going through the right channels. My story is actually different because I was actually phoning and pestering Howard every single day because when he left Sheffield United, you remember he took Carl Tyler and he took Mitch Ward from Sheffield United mm-hmm. to Everton and I was sort of left behind. I was recovering from a dislocated shoulder so after the playoff final. So I was like on the phone to Howard like every day, any chance, like is there any chance, like when can you do it? I'm desperate to come. So I was actually pestering him um, and I, 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 I've always been the type of character where the bigger the game, and I didn't play well every game, that's, that, that's obvious, but my mentality was, and I was lucky that I had it instilled into me, is the bigger the game, the more adrenaline I had, the easier, not that I found the game, but I, I, I found it easier to get up for. So obviously I was born in Gateshead, Newcastle fan, played for Sunderland, played for Liverpool and Everton, played for West Ham, played in loads of London derbies, born in England, played for Scotland. So I've never really done anything conventional. <clears throat> so... Knowing that I was going to be going back to Merseyside, where I had a brilliant time at Liverpool and lived in the Albert Dock and just the, the, the nightlife at the time and the food and the dress room at Liverpool, it's a great city. Going back there to represent the Blue Off, it was like a challenge for me. And I thought, well, not many people have done this. This is like a once in a lifetime. So once I got the call from Howard to come, I was like desperate. 
And then once I was there, like Franny said, in that season when I was first there, we actually, as you know, we, we only stayed up on the last day of the season, drawn mm. against Coventry. So, you know, the Evertonians were quite brutal to all of us. I got loads of stick, um, you know, coming from Sheffield United. All the lads at the time who were playing got loads of stick because it was a, it was a place where Everton should never, ever be in the bottom three, fighting relegation on the last day of the season. So the stick was brutal, but at the same time, you knew because I did anyway. Franny was a lot younger than me, so I obviously had been around the block a little bit more. So you understand why the fans are on your case, and it's not personal. It's because the club is not not part of us as part of the fans or it is the fans so they are desperate to to see Everton succeed and they had all this, the, the glory in the, in the great teams under Howard years ago in the 80s um, so I was I was of the the mindset go in there stick some tackles in get on the ball do your thing and try and convince the Evertonians that the Liverpool uh, time that I had was in the past and I was lucky I was the type of player that they took to I liked to tackle I uh, could get on the ball, but I was quite aggressive at the same time. So the Evertonians thought, he'll do. Mm, definitely. The Evertonians really took to it, Don. You had, you had other things to worry about in 1998, Franny, when we were fighting relegation, because you were trying to win the FA Youth Cup, if I remember. Yeah, that's right. Was that the year we won it, was it? That was 98. Yeah. I was watching Sky uh, yesterday, and is it, is it one of the ladies, England international, Frank Kirby? Mm. she was on talking about she suffered uh, pericarditis you know with the heart which is a, which is a swelling and it, and it brought me back to that season because actually that was the season where we, we, we were going well in the Youth Cup and we went down to Watford away I think in the semi-final uh, I remember getting the hotel the night before I'm feeling a little bit unwell and thinking I'm not saying not on here because you know I, I want to play mm. uh, got to about 2 o'clock in the morning and uh, I, I was doubled up. I couldn't. I couldn't get out of bed. I was literally crawled. Took me about an hour to get two doors along. Uh, I managed to knock on Les Elm's door. You can imagine what Les Elm was like at two in the morning, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so Les comes to the door. What do you want? What the stuff? What's up with you? I said, I said, Les, I'm struggling. Like I, I need you to take me to the hospital. Wow. Yeah, lads, get these two indigestion tablets down. You know, you had a few sarnies last night, he said. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, I said, Les, honestly, I'm struggling. He said, all right. So we got, a, we got Bluey. We, we, I think we, we rang a doctor. The doctor was going to be too long. And I said, look, I think I'm in trouble here. And we got Bluey out of bed. Is that the coach driver, Bluey? Yeah. yeah. We got him out of bed. And, and we actually took the team bus to Barnet General Hospital. Uh, obviously, when I got in there, I was diagnosed with it. The same thing what Frank Kirby had, that pericarditis, which, you know, so that so that season has some great memories, but also if, if it hadn't have been as bad during the night as and I, and yeah. I started the game, who knows? Who knows what might have happened? A lucky escape. Lucky escape, definitely, mate. Sander, would you have liked to have worked with David Moyes a little bit longer than you did? No, I, I, I liked him as a coach. Um, I don't know how he normally was, but in the month I was there, um, he was like a, like a character he was a strong uh, um, a tough coach but he was honest so he would just say whatever he wanted but at least he was honest and I like honesty in coaches uh, managers I don't like uh, people just shouting around just to shout but um, afterwards um, yeah I, I managed to um, to meet him a couple of times as well in Spain I went to see him in San Sebastian when he was coaching uh, Real Sociedad but um, 
yeah, I I really thought he was a a great coach, a great manager to uh, to work with, and uh, yeah, he asked me to stay on for another month, but at that time, I think my wife was pregnant with our third boy, and I was flying up and down from Southampton uh, where I live, and um, so I decided not to stay another month because uh, I think Wrighty was fit again, so I wasn't playing anyway. So, um, but I would yeah, I would have loved to. Um, um, to be part of a little bit longer, but uh, unfortunately, I couldn't. What are you up to these days, Sander? Well, I'm doing uh, a lot of things. I don't like to do one thing. I didn't. Um, I was a, a goalkeeper coach for the last two years in uh, Ajax Cape Town in uh, in, in uh, South Africa, where I ended my career. And um, I thought it was just uh, the same. Yeah, the same as as a football player. And I've been a football player for 20 years. And I thought, well. Um, it's nice, but um, I don't want that life again. So I'm a goalkeeper coach now of the national team on the 18, which is uh, just, uh, yeah, you have the national team, you have the, 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 the week uh, uh, tournaments, you got the World Cups, the European Cups, and uh, but it's not every day. And um, I'm doing some commentary work. Um, I'm working for the federation. Uh, it's called World Coaches that gives clinics and, uh, and in courses all over the world. How is Ronald Koeman, Sander? At the moment, he's okay. You mean uh, fitness-wise, or mm. yeah, we got a scare a couple of weeks ago because he, uh, yeah, he had a little heart attack, or I don't know how you called it, but um, he had a little. Yeah. Uh, he went to hospital, and uh, he's fine now. It, it scared him, and uh, yeah, maybe taught him a lesson, a lesson to uh, to uh, yeah, slow it down a bit. But uh, now he's he's uh, he's top again. So we're, yeah, he's he's great for the national team uh, since the day he came in. I think he changed the whole national team, and we're back where we. I don't say belong, but want to be. So um, yeah, it's looking uh, it's looking good for the Dutch team at the moment. So uh, happy to uh, that he's back again. That's great news indeed. Please pass on our best to Ronald Koeman when you see him. Don't we will. Don't we love watching good Dutch teams? We've seen some fantastic Holland teams, haven't we, over the years? Yeah, um, I mean, I've been commentating on the Eredivisie uh, for the last three or four years, so it's a great league to watch. The football is always great. Um, it's different to other European leagues, and Sander might agree. Where a lot of the lot of the styles and a lot of the the, the tactics are quite similar, play the same sort of systems all the way sort of through, and, it, and it's nice to watch. Um, and obviously, I work uh, for the Premier League. That's where the majority of my time is spent. Uh, so I see and I commentate on every single minute of every game, every weekend of the Premier League. Uh, Dutch, uh, sorry, German football and Italian football as well. So I've. Like Sander, I'm very much involved in football. Uh, I'm lucky that the majority of the games, apart from a Saturday or a night time, so you've got your day to yourself. So, you know, I can spend time with my twin boys or I can go and play golf and relax during the day and then go to work in the night time. So uh, football's my life. It always will be. I'll always be watching football. doesn't matter what league it is, whether, you know, it's Eredivisie, German, Italian. Uh, I watched a K-League game the other day. The Korea League was back on two weeks ago, so I watched that <laughs> as well. So yeah. I just can't wait for the Premier League to be up and running again. Uh, the listeners won't be able to see this, obviously, but Don Hutchison's got an, an old away shirt in a beautiful frame just over his shoulder. So you still clearly look back on your time with the Blues with some affection, Don. Definitely, mate. Honestly, I mean, the one thing I would say, which I think is completely different to any other Premier League club, and I don't know if the guys agree with me, and I always say it, and, I, and it's a habit of mine when I say it in commentary, when I watch Everton play at Goodison, you know, you see Man United play, and you see Liverpool play, and you see all the teams around the country play football. The one word I would take or I would say every single time when I watch Everton play at Goodison is they play with emotion. The fans are always emotional. Tom Davies is the one where I think if he's, if he's playing, he's infectious. He gets everyone going. 
Um, now I look back at my time and, and good and bad times, but with Everton, it's all about the emotional aspect of the game. And I think they're the best in the Premier League at being emotional, good and bad. Franny, obviously you're right back involved with the football club back at Finch Farm when we're all allowed to go to Finch Farm with the 23s. And I know that it's a role that you thoroughly enjoy. Yeah, as I say, it was about six or seven years ago, uh, sort of finished playing. Didn't know what I was going to do, Daz, to be honest with you. You know, being, being stupid as most people are, you know, footballers didn't really think about what I was going to do when it, when it come to an end. And then I had a couple of years where I, where I didn't do much. Uh, and then I thought to myself, I'm missing this massively. I need to get back involved. I need to get my juices flowing again. And I got in touch with, uh, with Unzi, Big Dunk, people like that, people who I could count on and said, look, I want to get into my coaching. Is there any way I can come in and watch a bit? Uh, it started from there, really. Daz had done two years uh, voluntary coaching. Uh, then went in as striker coach in the academy. It was a job I loved. Uh, and I think Unzi seen me value there and obviously took me with the, with the under-23s. And I've been with them for probably two and a half years now. And I love every minute of it, mate. I mean, the spring out of bed every morning. Well, you know, obviously when we are back, spring out of bed every morning, mate, looking forward to getting in and improving the young players because that's, that's what it's all about. And obviously my experience is... is exactly the experience that they're going through. There's a lot of lads in the system there that started at Everton when they were six or seven. Obviously, in, in my day, you, you didn't come into academies till you were 11, 12. Uh, but it's still the same journey does that they're on that, that I went on myself. So, uh, I love helping them on that journey. I love the away games with the 23s. I've been with you to most of the away games on the team bus and the banter and the team spirits between yeah. the staff is yeah. terrific and that, that particularly for you that's important for you isn't it that there's good team spirit amongst the staff it's massive in it does it's it's massive in sport and let's have it right you know team spirit the way you are together as your staff and your players you know you, who knows where it can take you uh, have we been the have we been the best team in the, in the under 23 league with the best players over the past three or four seasons probably not we've had good teams we've had good players but you look at your Chelsea's and your Arsenal's and teams like that uh, but does we always go there and beat them don't we or nine times out of ten we go there and give them a game and it's because of the way we are the team spirit we have the young players have a great team spirit and we won the league I think is it is it twice in the last in the last three years so uh, we're, doing, we're doing something right mate I love the away trips as you said because like you said you've got all different types of characters having you on the bus and sometimes you sit there does, and, you, and you close your eyes and you can hear all different conversations going on you know you you got John Ebrill boring the life out of someone <laughs> <laughs> then, you, you know then, you, then, you've, then you've got Unzi cracking jokes you've got then you, then all you can hear is Baz you know, you know Mick Rathbone sitting down at the front and, he, and he's been speaking to the coach driver for six hours, hours solid. And the coach driver hasn't said one word back to him. <laughs> and if you close your eyes and take all that in, you'll actually wake up, you'll actually open your eyes and you just it just makes you laugh, doesn't it? With that, that's football, isn't it? That's the bus, that's the away trips. Do you miss being a player, Sander? Yeah, no, definitely. I just want to add that, 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 that those are the things. Um, I really want to be a coach because... Um, it's the second best thing. It's the next time, well, off the pitch, it's just uh, the closest you can get uh, of, of being a player. Uh, it's, it's the banter, it's the dressing room, it's, uh, it's being on the pitch. 
uh, it's the excitement and, uh, and and everything around the games and um, that's why I love this uh, this this legends game. So for Liverpool, we play uh, three or four matches in the season and um, we always have one at Anfield and it's always sold out and we play Real Madrid, uh, we play AC Milan, uh, we're supposed to play Barcelona this season but yeah, you play in front of 55,000 now with the, with the new Anfield and uh, that's the only thing you miss as a football player. Uh, you want to be. You don't miss the pre-seasons and the hotels, and but just uh, being with the team. It's like uh, one of, uh, a big reunion uh, with all your your mates, your colleagues, and uh, working towards a game and, and and stepping on on the pitch again in front of uh, so many people. Uh, yeah, that's 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 an amazing feeling. So that's that's what you miss. So as long as I'm fit, I'm trying to play those games. I'm playing for the uh, internationals uh, of the Dutch team as well, as much as I can. Um, because they, they, that's the only thing you miss those games Don I know part of the job that you like being involved in the media is the match days when you get to see some old faces around the press box in the Premier League yeah. you enjoy catching up with them don't you yeah, I do uh, I always put them into Graham Stewart Graham Sharp those are the two guys at Everton obviously the lads elsewhere that work uh, when you're in the press rooms but just going back to what the boys said and it brings back great memories it's the things that you love is obviously the match day, but the things that you miss and you can never, ever recreate, like Franny's just said about being on the team bus, you know, it's, it, it's spending time. It's being with 20 other professional footballers, all, all male, it's just, it's just the, the banter's like off the charts and some's good, some's bad, and you'll never, ever get that back. We can, we can play in the games, like Sandra said, we all, we all play in Legends games. You can have that tiny little bit of adrenaline or being on the coach and being in the dressing room where anything goes inside of a dressing room. That's, that's the inner sanctuary, really, the dressing room on a Monday to Friday, the time you spend with your colleagues. It's absolutely sensational. Gentlemen, it's been absolutely fantastic to catch up with you again. Don Hutchison, Franny Jeffers, Sandra the rest of the world, brilliant sport. Thank you so much indeed for joining us. Hope you've enjoyed catching up with each other and thanks to Franny and Sandra for behaving themselves. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Take care, care, boys. Next time we're all in Liverpool, we'll have a beer. Have a yeah. beer, Sander. Good man. This has been an official EvertonFC.com podcast. If you've enjoyed it, then just head to your usual podcast app and search Everton. And not only will you find all the podcasts we've already done, it's also the easiest way to access all the future broadcasts as well. Thanks once again to Francis, to Sander and Don. And thank you for listening. <laughs>